to Thriving with a Chronic Illness. I am your host, Smiling Sonia, and I share ideas, tools, and strategies I've learned living with and recovering from recurrent viral meningitis. I've undergone mindset shifts that have helped me move from just living to striving with a chronic illness. I know what it's like to worry about taking extended sick leave or losing a job through chronic illness. I share how you can become financially stable with the peace of mind that you have enough money saved to prepare for those emergencies and cover future financial goals. Good morning. Smiling Sonia here. It's Thursday the 12th of November 2020. 2020 being the year of COVID-19, the pandemic, coronavirus. Today I'm going to be exploring the subject as, mu- as much as I can. Black people and my experience is UK and financial resilience and relate it to the current situation dealing with the pandemic. So before I launch into my subject, <laughs> launch, just to, because of course this is my, this is still my viral meningitis recovery journal. This is my audio journal. And of course I've invited you to <laughs> join me on my, my walks in the morning if I'm walking. I'm not always walking, but for the most part, these are recorded whilst I'm out walking. I think maybe it's because uh, you've become my accountability buddy. So coming out, I've linked it so strongly to my audio journal. Even if I don't feel like coming out sometimes, the draw is I want to talk. And yes, it's therapeutic as well. But I like to share. That's me. I, (laughs) there was a strong temptation yesterday to stay up later to engage in a conversation with someone. But I stopped myself because I knew that I would, I would regret, that's the word, regret it this morning if I didn't make sure I got enough sleep. And so I did. I had quite a broken night's sleep, I must admit, but not so much so that it's affected me this morning. I don't feel overly tired this morning. I did a workout at the end of the yes at the end of the day, well my work day yesterday. 
which is what the pattern, the, the routine I'd got into before I was ill. Walk in the morning and then when I finish work, put on my workout gear and do a workout. And I did a bit of a test, didn't I? Do the workout in the morning and put in the walk in the evening. That didn't quite work out for me. That's not quite my sweet spot. But I'm always experimenting. You know, and and being and it's also about being flexible. So I know I can be flexible with these things. So that's good. Um, no headache this morning. So I'm really pleased about that. Interesting, a colleague that I spoke to yesterday said that she noticed how tired I looked on Tuesday. So was checking in on me. Which reminds me that this week, my work schedule, over the last two weeks, I've made it much lighter. I think the first six weeks back, this was just so manic. And I've learned a lesson. <gasps> learned a lesson. <laughs> mm, okay. It's the implementation, you know, it is. I may have learned the lesson intellectually. <laughs> but will I put it in practice? Should there be another occasion when I need to? So I've learned that I had set this intention when I returned to work after being sick of a phased return over several weeks. And I literally, within three weeks, three, four weeks, I was back to working full hours. And that clearly had an impact on me. So hopefully I don't have another flare-up. But if I do, of course, I will attempt to do my, my plan. But what I think I'll do is I think I'll find a buddy. I think what I will do is have a discussion with my manager and we decide on uh, somebody else in the workplace that I can check in with and discuss my sort of back-to-work plan with and who will support me in adhering to it. Because with the best will in the world, when we're left to do things ourselves, it's very difficult. And I guess this is where a coach comes in. It's interesting. It's either you have a buddy, a mentor, a coach... Someone who keeps you to task, okay? So usually we think about a coach that we, you know, pushing us, helping us to overcome obstacles and stretch ourselves, etc. But I think we probably do need a coach as well to help us in terms of our self-care and, and to look after ourselves. Gosh, that's not something I've really considered before. That's interesting. Okay. I'm going to turn around now, actually. I've, I've been walking a bit longer. I'm going to turn around now. So let's turn around and let's start digging into the subject. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how far I'm going to get with this today. But it's, 
it's triggered something in me this morning. So let me give you a little bit of a sort of back background or drop as to why it felt so significant this morning. I've got a box coming up towards me. One actually touched me. My yeah, part of my body. Sometimes it wasn't a bite. <laughs> so over the a week ago, my coach, <laughs> yeah, my coach set us a task. Uh, you know, helping us to sort of build our business, to to get our first client. Okay, eek eek eek. <laughs> Get our first client. And, you know, we've been learning a lot of things. And it's really about, you know, having conversations with people and offering to help people. So I've been very resistant to this. Extremely resistant. Uh, Fearful. (laughs) Fearful, to be honest. And, and I, I, I didn't do I didn't do the actions that would and could have enabled me to get my first client. And so I've still got some fears and barriers to overcome. Okay, and obviously when you have a coach, you know, that's how you are you identify these things and you, you work on them. We had a session yesterday and obviously sharing you know, our, our progress. And, uh, and I knew, actually as I was talking, I knew that there was something that I wanted to do. I really, I wanted, on my social media, on my Facebook profile, that's a place where I can reach out to people, tell people what I'm doing, and offer people my help. And I've been reluctant to do so. And I think it's because, you know, there are family, friends, acquaintances there. I think it's more about, it is about being judged. And I, one of the things that I, as I was in the session with the coach, there's four of us, he's coaching together. I, and he was, he was going through a concept with us. So it's. He's not, he's not giving us taxes, but he's, he's helping us with our mindset. And I, I realised that what I was, what I was fearful of, just, I was fearful of success. In, in, in the way I say success, what I mean by that is, I was fearful that if I did have these conversations with people, Somebody would take me up. <laughs> Somebody would say, if I reached out and said, oh, you know, reach out to me if you want to find out how I can help you, and blah, blah. And I was scared. So it wasn't doing that bit. I can do that bit. But it was, what if people do respond? <laughs> what if people do respond to me? And... And so, yes, actually, I, I'm interested in what you have to say. How can you help me? And then that, that conversation, 
although I have got some guidance how to how to have that conversation. So that's that's my um, that's my barrier. So that was really that was quite useful, and I thought actually, so I just need to overcoming that fear is just by doing it. And if I have the conversations, I don't have to get it right. <laughs> you know, I'm not, not going to lose anything by it. So that was interesting. So this morning, well, actually last night, a friend shared a document with me. And it relates to some research, uh, the government's study into racial inequality, really. Um, in respect of black people, ethnic minorities. And I was reading through that report this morning, as you do. <laughs> what do you do first thing in the morning? I read a government report. I was reading the report this morning. Uh, and it was stating, and I don't quote me on the figures, but I think around 75%, something like that, of black people in Britain felt that um, their human rights were not as equal as their white counterparts, that they felt that they didn't have the same human rights. And so I, I, I was reading the document and one of the, there's a study by Runnymede Trust, Ooh, I remember the name, and it mentioned about it's talking about COVID-19 and looking at the reasons why black people, ethnic minority people, were disproportionately affected by COVID-19 um, in all different ways. And mentioned that there's a number of factors, and still this is something they're looking into, a number of factors and one being fi finances. And so, of course, I thought, oh, okay, that's my domain, finances. So I've taken the wrong turning. <laughs> Again. But let's see where this takes me. Finances. So I thought, oh, this is interesting. So I looked for the Runnymede Trust study and found it online and started to read it. I mean, one of the things it stated was how black women are five times more likely to die in childbirth. I'm going to say that again. Black women are five times more likely than white women to die in childbirth in the UK. So there are a number of things. And I was interested in the, when I talk about socioeconomic. And I, they were talking about, you know, how people have been able to you know, financial resilience um, when something unexpected happens, for example, COVID-19. 
So COVID-19 is an unexpected occurrence, okay? And it's affected the country, the world in so many different ways. And in particular, people have been losing their jobs. So people get ill, obviously people are dying, people are losing their jobs. And so they've looked at the socio-economic and one of the things that they picked up on, and I can't remember all parts of their report, but just bits that stick stand out, was this thing about financial resilience, being able to, to buffer the effects of COVID-19. And that is uh, losing a job or you know, having some money, savings, having some savings set aside to kind of mitigate against um, the issues that COVID-19 has brought up. And then I read, this is really useful, and this is something I'm going to, this is what I'm going to explore a little bit more, is that in terms of savings, for every one pound, for every one pound, that a white person saves, so this is obviously average, for every one pound, uh, a black person saves 20 pence. So I think it's 20 pence. There's something in my psyche, is, this, is it 40 pence? But I think it's 20 pence. Remember, <laughs> I've, before, um, this is my journal, I've, I've read something this morning, and I'm just exploring it, and I'm going to look into it a little bit more. So 20 pence, and then there are um, even some other ethnic minority groups where it's 10 pence. Now, that is, because for every one pound that a white person has in their savings or saves, a black person saves 20 pence. Now, that is so significant. Now, when I read that, it triggered something in me. <laughs> and I thought, this is why I'm doing this. Good morning. This is why I'm doing this. I, and, and let, let's go back a bit about, you know, how COVID-19 is disproportionately affecting black people and ethnic minorities. So part of it is uh, being more exposed because of where we work, the jobs. And they're saying, you know, the black, black people, ethnic minorities are exposed because they're in more in the caring roles. Okay. And then, of course, there's the economic stuff. So... There's a range of things, and also underlying health problems. <sighs> underlying health problems. So here I am, a black woman with an underlying health problem. And I don't know, I really don't know whether if I were to get COVID-19, whether... I would have a more difficult time than others. I do not know. 
But I do know that black people are disproportionately more susceptible to having this disease and dying from it. And they talked as well about people living in multi-generational homes. And sometimes that, I remember when I was very young, I lived in a multi-generational home, definitely for economic reasons. <laughs> Back then, my parents couldn't afford to have somewhere themselves. So we all lived in a home with our grandparents. So I am thinking, who's my message for? When I'm putting my, my message out, if you, if you look at my podcast cover picture, it's clear that I'm a, a black woman. <laughs> if I'm talking about this with people around me, they know that I'm a black woman. I'm sharing that I'm a black woman with a chronic illness. And I'm talking about how for me, having savings, but not just savings, having an emergency fund has meant that I've been able to weather the storm of COVID-19. Now, there are other things in play as well. My, the job that I'm in as well protects me to a certain extent. So there's a lot about, of course, the jobs we find ourselves in. And the reason I'm here in this job is decisions that I made years and years and years ago. So I'm thinking about <laughs> going back to the task that my coach gave me and understanding my fears last night about communicating to people that I want to help people make sure they have an emergency fund so that they can buffer, they can have a buffer against unexpected situations such as COVID-19. But when I talk about it, I talk in terms of unexpected expenses in the world of chronic illness, losing your job, having to cut your hours, having to take extended sick leave, which all result in either a reduction in pay or losing a salary. And an emergency fund gives you a buffer at least in the first few months to kind of get yourself sorted, etc. And in this, during this pandemic, or at the start of this pandemic, if, if financial resilience is one of the factors that has been detrimental to black people, ethnic minorities, what difference would it have made for those people if they had an emergency fund in place 
so that if they lost their jobs or took a cut in pay, it would have afforded them and their families some peace of mind. And I'm thinking, have people had to go out and work and expose themselves wherein they wouldn't have had they had some financial stability. You know where I am now. On my way back home, heading towards the road. So as I said, this is something for me to explore more, but what I thought this morning was when I put my message out at the moment, I can, I can relay, I can communicate, I can make people aware of some of the reasons why black people and ethnic minorities are suffering more under this pandemic and finances and that a way to mitigate against that it may be it's difficult now but the future <laughs> life's still going on and this will be over to some extent but we need to learn lessons don't we and what can we do differently and if I can provide people with some information and say look this is what you can do differently so that next time next time you have a buffer next time it won't be so harsh then that's something I must do I can't be scared can I? I can't be scared to share that with people so yes <laughs> yeah that's kind of sparked sparked something in me today and that's I think, yeah, I know why I want to help people. I know how important this subject is. And it's in this report. So what can we do? What can I do? And there's stuff that I can do. There really is. Okay, I'm at the road now. A lot of traffic. So it would be a lot noisier, but then the cars aren't moving. Well, some of them are. <laughs> okay. That's it for me today. You take care. And, and maybe, look, you hearing this from me today, you now know what I've just shared with you. You can share that message too. Okay? <laughs> you can share that message too. You're allowed. I give you permission. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? We, we, we hear, we learn stuff. And if we feel it's of benefit to ourselves, that we can share it, even if it's just to one person, what difference that can make. Okay, that's it for me today, and I'll speak to you soon. Hey, Smiling Sonia here, your host at Thriving with a Chronic Illness. Now be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on the next episode. Now if you liked what you heard today, be sure to visit my website, smilingsonia.com. 
to learn more about how I can help you build an emergency fund. <laughs>